<laughs> we work so hard to get stronger, happier, more productive and successful. Don't forget the secret ingredient. Get grounded in play. Play grounding when it's time to get a life. Welcome to Playgrounding. Uh, this is Cupcake, and I have hijacked Kara's... <laughs> oh, now she's laughing. All right, but what? I've hijacked her podcast, yes. and I've been the intro because she's been so nervous to introduce me and so nervous to interview me <laughs> that I've decided to inter- to introduce uh, myself. I'm Cupcake, Justin Fortier, her husband, yes. and <laughs> I am the one who won her heart and finally won overall in her dating career. <laughs> My dating career, you yes. make me sound like a professional. Well, you are a professional. And... Maybe. Oh, yeah. I don't even know what to say to that. Well, here we go. So here's the interview <laughs> with Justin Cupcake Fortier, her husband, and welcome to Playgrounding. Here we go. Yay. Okay. <laughs> welcome back to Playgrounding. This is Kara Stewart. I'm still here. In the Treehouse here at Theory Labs in Los Angeles' beautiful brewery arts complex. Um, Before we start today, I have a confession to make. I did something completely crazy. I know I'm just starting out as a podcaster. Nobody warned me how hard it would be not only to interview, but then to edit the interview with your spouse. (laughs) It's probably one of the most difficult things I've done so far launching this podcast, but it was so worth it. I found it hard sometimes to put myself in the interviewer's shoes, and I was talking to someone who knows me better than anyone in this world, but I have to say that I actually learned a few things about my husband in the course of this interview. Um, There was a reason I actually asked him to come on the show. Um, That is that there would be no show if it weren't for Cupcake. He even came up with the name of the show, Playgrounding, and he encouraged me Every single step of the way, every single moment I'd say I had the idea, he'd say, well, why aren't you doing it? Um, But he's just, he's an amazing, incredible, and unique individual, and I wanted you to meet him. Yes, okay, his name is Cupcake. Yes, you've been hearing that right all along. It was a nickname given to him about 10 years ago by friends. They're now some of his closest friends, but back then, rather than it being like a joke on him, he said, you know what, I'm going to claim it. And he now goes by Cupcake and has for so many years, he's even known in many of his professional circles as Cupcake. It baffles many people when they meet him for the first time, but that's my man. What can I say? Um, Another reason I brought him on the show is that of all of Stuart Brown's play personalities, Cupcake is a bona fide joker and as we hear in this upcoming interview being a joker isn't all fun and games he talks about how many people who go through great difficulty in life especially when they're young end up becoming the ones with that uncanny ability to as he likes to say it inject joy into the lives of those around them and I've noticed over the years It's hard not to smile when he's around, and I'm not just talking as his wife. He is genuinely one of the silliest people I've ever known. But he doesn't do it just to get a laugh. I mean, he does sometimes, but he genuinely enjoys being responsible for bringing lightness and fun into the lives of those around him. The funny thing is that he's also 
camp counselor, for lack of a better term. Um, whenever any of our friends are going through a rough time, they can turn to Cupcake. He's a joker, but he also spends hours and hours and hours listening to anyone who needs his help. And um, I really want you to meet him and hear his story. So just a quick little bio on his what Mr. Cupcake does. He is actually called in some circles Justin Fortier, but not very many. He has a background in rock and roll production. He's been what many of us would refer to as a roadie, but please don't ever call them that, please. <laughs> he and his business partner, AJ Frainsteinson, they launched a company last year called RabCup. It specializes in innovative video solutions. If you've ever seen 3D projections on a skyscraper or what kind of looks like a hologram, Whatever can be done with light that takes your breath away the first time you see it, that's them. So I'll include a little video with some of their work and pictures. And um, I'll also include some pictures of my life with this notorious joker we call Cupcake in the show notes if you'll go to playgrounding.com slash eight, the number eight. All right, and now for your listening pleasure, Cupcake Fortier. married to a joker to a God. <laughs> I am married to a court jester and the purpose of this particular episode is not for me to be like hey look at my amazing husband even though that is how I feel um I have told my story before I have said that my coming into this community was was frightening it was strange I spent probably my first probably six months being a little bit scared of everyone. She was the white mare that I had to break in. Yeah. Yeah. Even though I am his eight years, his elder. <laughs> so when I was introduced to him, our first date was in a group of, of a lot of people. Which was 13. actually, it was, we were told that it was going to be a blind date between both of us. Mm -hmm. And we were lied to from the couple that set us up. We were lied to and saying that, oh, it'd be a blind date. When we showed up, it was 14 people. Yep. Well, I did like you. I sat next to you. Of course you did. And of course, because they forced us to, even though I thought it was just going to be us. I did. I did. I remember so when did I. Were, well, so did I. I think I threw that thing out. But yeah. So, so did I. we get there, we sit down, we're having this meal. And what did my roommate say to you? Oh, she turned to me. Yeah, Erin turned to me. Um, this <laughs> amazing Erin, who's from D.C. like I am. She turned to me, and she goes, are you hitting on my roommate? And I go, well, kind of, sort of. She goes, why the fuck not? And I was like, okay. She's like, you hit on my girl right now, because she's right for you. And I was like, all right, well, here we go. So this is how we met. That is exactly how we met. And then, you know, we had a great, great night, and uh, we met each other. But I do have to... Oh my goodness. You always have some silly sound effect for everything. You know, if you really wanted me to use sound effects, I could have done it in the after, uh, in the editing process. Oh no, this is much better. <laughs> no, so, so little stuffy me and crazy you. This is literally our entire relationship. And Absolutely. I don't even know what to say. <laughs> I needed a joker in my life like I you I was so 
earnest and so serious and everything I did in my life needed a very important thing. And I saw that and I fell in love with you and it wasn't that I I needed to help you with these things. I wanted to. And I saw someone that really needed to to break away and needed to find fun in her life and it became not a white knight goal because it wasn't like mm -hmm. I my my goal in the relationship was not to fix her mm -hmm. it was to give her the opportunity to actually find herself and give her the opportunity to have fun and here we are I didn't really know how to do that I have to say I mean even Burning Man I was very much like I'm going to burn my way, I'm going to figure this out, and I thought Burning Man is this big, like, you know, this hurdle that I'm going to go over, and it's going to be great, and I'm going to have experienced Burning Man, because that was my whole thing, was that, like, I'm going to experience Burning Man, and, and... Which inspired her burner nickname. Well, yes, this is actually how I got Which, her actual nickname is Arbor. Well, Arbor, I like. Arbor's great, but the rest of it is, aka, don't tell me how to fucking burn. <laughs> Pardon my French, but I coined that because this is someone who walked into Burning Man going, I've been given all this advice. I'm going to learn what it is myself. I'm going to do it all on my own. And you know what? Screw you guys. And she did. And this is the sole reason that I let her deal with telemarketers. And I don't. If I <laughs> no. have to deal with Time Warner Cable, she's the one I put on the phone. So what is play to you, Kara? Um... I didn't actually know until very shortly after I met you. I mean, I did, though, as a child. I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun. And don't you dare make fun of me. I had a lot of fun. I was making fun of you. I had a great childhood. I had I had a lot of backyard experiences. I wrote poems. You, I, compared to a lot of people, you had an ideal childhood. I really did. Actually, and, and that's a blessing and a curse I'm beginning to learn. Um, not in a bad way and like, not like I wouldn't be grateful for what I had as a child, but the people that I'm meeting as an adult, the people who are the most comfortable with adversity, with variety of circumstances in their lives, like who are the most adaptable, they tend to be people with less than ideal circumstances. Exactly. And people like me, yeah. we tended to, as I discussed with Meg Rabbit on our, the second episode of Playgrounding about how hard it is as somebody who was brought up in kind of an ideal situation and you're making those googly unicorn eyes at me so there's a stuffed animal with unicorn googly eyes no, she's talking about me yeah you're not a unicorn well you are a unicorn never mind um but no that, that there's kind of this thing where people who have to fight through things when they're growing up they actually have a better mechanisms for dealing with adversity involving play well, and you're a, a, an ideal example of this i agree and and the thing is, is it's we may have and it may seem that we have those of us with with more diverse backgrounds those of us who with more challenging backgrounds um that haven't had the most ideal childhood or have dealt with trauma or dealt with emotional or physical abuse as a kid tend to yes as i've known been a lot more a lot more um, renaissance in their in their approach to life and a lot more a lot more able to deal with the diversity in life but mm -hmm. but that comes with that that definitely comes with a cost mm -hmm. um, where I used to say as a child that I grew from seven years old to 30 30 years old in a day mm -hmm. but with that there's a lot of things that you 
you fast forward in in maturity, but that also causes you to to really lack in some other uh, emotional and 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 really developmental um, stages in life. We tend to yes, we develop more in being able to deal with real life situations better, but to deal with ourselves and to deal with our own emotions tends to be on a more immature level. So whereas I said I went to 7 to 30 in a day, in doing that I left a lot of my ways to cope with things at 7. One of the things that I, I found very, very fascinating about you is like kind of the story from how as a child you were able to go from this very like just shocked like you were having a great time in your life everything was fine and then suddenly this this illness beset your father you ended up now having to deal with not only handling that this is happening inside of your life with you and your mother and your father um, dealing with his own diagnosis but then kids at school and how they reacted to it and then and from then on out you had emotional problems you had all these different things be, come on to you now as a child this is a lot for a child to, to bear absolutely and for you to become the man who I followed across the playa with a giant LED staff like Moses running around <laughs> guiding a group of people so we could see all the best art cars in the middle of the night and I mean I, I just honestly like you are you are such a joyous jovial amazing person and recently I've met your father in a more intimate way I met him that first yeah. Christmas but absolutely. at and our uh, wedding I got to know him oh, and I'm, I'm realizing you and your father have a lot in common you're very jovial, jovial human beings and you've both overcome a lot and absolutely. that's the journey I want to uncover from my training from my mom and where I came from I had the tools yeah I was I was really screwed up I was <laughs> not emotionally healthy I was I went through a lot and I was very you know very weird and very different but how are you weird and different um, I used to carry a teddy bear around on my shoulder that was attached to my keys. Like in, in my freshman year, when I went to uh, college, my freshman year of college, Aww. I had a teddy bear, um, Mr. Pokey, <laughs> that used to hang on my shoulder. And and I wore all black, and my mom said it was a phase, and a phase doesn't last 14 years. But uh, I wore <laughs> well, all black. I did hear that you had blue hair. Had blue hair. And but... I didn't know this. He did not tell me this when I was doing blue hair when we first met. And it wasn't until I finally went all the way to Washington, D.C. and met your mother. And I was going to redo my blue. And she started telling me stories. <laughs> right. Well, as supportive as my mom was, that she actually dyed my hair blue for the first time, which Aww. is beautiful. She, she supported me. She could but... have told me to put the gloves on my fingers. It was my first time doing it myself. Oh, no, 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 no. You know I my mom. You No, 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 no. You can, you can, you can, you can <laughs> tell a man a thousand times how to fish, but until they actually fish themselves until they'll you, never learn until they until they learn they should put the latex gloves on right. their hand before you can they put the you can dye. teach someone something a thousand this times but the minute that you actually do it yourselves you actually learn <laughs> okay yes i learned wear the gloves whenever i do my all hair right. and well, i haven't okay, stopped doing to, the blue and i haven't back stopped to doing topic, the back, right, to back to topic okay back to topic all right so um in third grade was it third Probably fifth grade. I'm going to say fifth grade. I used to write the symbol on the back of my hand 
Um, and it's on the whiteboard that I'm staring at right now. Yep. It's the word Y, and it's combined into one symbol. So it's W-H-Y into it's one on, symbol. It's tattooed on your arm. I was getting there. I look but, at that every day. <laughs> I was getting there, but basically I used to write <laughs> it on the back of my hand um, in Sharpie every day of my life. And it was a reminder of why. Uh, why does this happen to me? Why was I put in this position? Why am I going through more than anyone else I know? Mm -hmm. And it, it was a reminder to me to not, I mean, to be humble, yes, but more to question everything and just to be yourself. Mm -hmm. And I got the word why tattooed on my arm my freshman year of college, my first, my first tattoo. And at the time I got my, that tattooed, I came up with this phrase, I am me. And what that meant to me was, I am me, and I don't give a rat's ass what anyone else thinks about me. I'm going to be myself, no matter yeah. what. And yes, that may have gone a little little, little to, to the far left side, and I may have been an asshole to people, and I may have just been myself. And, and you know what? It's bounced back, and I'm, in, you know, I'm an adult in my mid-30s, and I know what that means now to, to control myself. But I, I think to, to sum it all up is that, I, yes, I had a hard childhood, I went through it. I went through. It was challenging, but I would not give any of it up. I wouldn't change any of it mm -hmm. up. No. Because I am who I am. You made you who you are and who I ended up falling in love with. Yep. But... And sorry for, for hijacking the mic there for a sec. But Oh, no. This is what this is all about. I knew this was going to be this way. I knew this was going to be this It's way. a long story, and there's a lot more to it. And... No, this is, what I, this is what this is for. And actually, and this is the reason why I asked, I wanted you to be on this. And I know this was hard. They're not used to being in front of the of the microphone. No, I'm I mean, it. we haven't talked about this. My set in my intro that that my husband is manager, production manager. He's a production manager. I mean, if you've ever been in theater, he was the stage manager. He is somebody who kind of hid out, and the kinds of stories that I heard from his mother and from him at different points is that he was that more shy kid. He didn't get out there in front of people. He wasn't a jock. He had those moments of just being very vulnerable in front of people and I think I've just actually been very impressed with just the fact that he was able to come from where he did and the kinds of challenges that he faced to becoming the man that he is and but by the time still trying. well no by the time I met him he was very confident and he has remained to this day I mean we we struggle we struggle sometimes with and, just and basic if, things. If I can throw in there, I was a little bit more of a um, bachelor douchebag. Um, I was definitely... Hold on. You don't get to call yourself a douchebag. I know what douchebags are, and you are not one. I'm sorry. I was more of a confident asshole who said I wouldn't change for her, and that was wrong. And because all you I've just... Been, and, all mm -mm. I've been, and all I've said since we got married is, baby, I'm changing for you. I promise. Yeah, that's actually true. Thank you. <laughs> um, but... But what I'm trying to say is, through all of the things you went through growing up, and after all the things I talked to Meg about, about... Oh, topic. We're back on topic. Right. Topic. Yes. yes. This right, is a playground You're podcast. talking to Meg. Yeah. Um, talking to Meg about people who struggle through things in their childhoods. And I mean, there's, I mean the stuff you went through, a lot of people go through... Much worse. Physical abuse. Much worse. Oh, yeah. people go through much worse. But I think what I went through is really unique. And what I'll say is there's there's... From knowing myself, there's two there's two different two different ways the jokers come about, and this is just from my own personality or my own personal observation. Is one is is not me, 
which would be the ones that are just trying to be attention whores that are there to mm-hmm. just like, you know, be the class clown and attention whores because they have their own insecurities that they're trying to make up for. Yep. In my case, and and it's, uh, I'm a big believer in, I studied very young in, haha, young in, um, <laughs> in Freud and Jung um, psychology. And I'm a big believer in the difference between id, ego, and superego. Um which is about as far as I take Freud and go into Jung at that point. But mm-hmm. at that point, I think there's a good, there is a great definition between ego and superego, whereas ego is a very healthy um, understanding confidence in yourself, whereas superego is um, where you're just pandering for yourself and making up for things uh, that you don't you know, have and you're mm-hmm. trying to make up for things. Yeah. And myself... Um, <laughs> I, my happiness derives from other people's happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in production. I do what I do because of what my business partner, AJ, who you'll be interviewing here in uh, another yeah. episode, yes. um, has coined the phrase, and you better bring this up with him. Oh, I will. As the breath. Yep. And what the breath is, is in production, if I'm doing a show, and this is my definition of art as well. We mm-hmm. all struggle with the definition of art. If those of you <laughs> yes. out there that are listening that are artists, mm-hmm. that we all have the, the discussion of what is art. Yep. And my definition is if it affects someone. Yep. And I put a stress on the A and A effect is because there's an emotional affection. Yep. If you look at something, if you experience something, and you have an emotional response, but it be it negative be it positive, be it neutral. If you have an emotional response to something, that is art. And then what he says, it's when it's it's in the breath. So when you're an audience and you're doing art, like we do in live production, if you're sitting there and you hear someone go, yep, that's the breath. That's what we live for. (laughs) That is art. And I'll let him describe it Yeah, he'll talk all about that too. But what I do and why I'm known as a joker is not just because... I live for the art. I live for the breath. I, I try to affect people. I try to affect people in the positive mm-hmm. and I get my happiness and my energy from people smiling. Yep. That's where I, I am. Like I, I can create my own happiness, but I, my, my fuel, my fuel is people's happiness. Yeah. So what I'm getting at is that it's, I am someone who's run by empathy mm-hmm. and by empathy. I mean, I am happy with other people's emotions run me so my empathy is when i feel a situation gets too intense or i feel like it's going nowhere or going in circles i will start throwing out random acts of joy and random acts of, acts of fun to make people laugh and try to distract people try to bring people back to a point where they're happy to a point that they that they laugh and try to distract them from the bad feelings because when I feel that badness or I feel people fighting or I feel people sad, I'm so empathetic that I feel it myself, whether I'm part of the conversation or not, I'll hear it and I'll start getting depressed or sad myself. Now I don't believe in, in, in hippy dippy, you know, well, come on, like, you're a hippie. I am a hippie, but I don't believe <laughs> in hippy dippy, you know, like, like energies and anything like that. But I do believe that we do have an EM field. I do believe that we do have the, the we science. Affect each other. I believe in science and I do yeah. believe, and I felt it myself that emotions are shared. And I, because I feel it myself, if someone's you are sad, happy. I feel it yeah. and I no, bring it yeah. on myself. And that empathy, 
I get really uncomfortable in situations where people get angry or mad. I know. Or sad. And I will deflect that and try to make a difference. And I will try to, you know, if, if there's a realistic conversation going on, no matter how important it is, I will sit there and play, you know, I'll rickroll it. Yep. Or I'll play some music that's appropriate to it. I will do something as a joker just to get away from that so I don't have to feel it. It's selfish in a way. Mm -hmm. it, it's actually selfish in that maybe I'm being a joker because I don't want to feel these things or I don't want other people to feel that way. So, mm -hmm. you know, maybe it's selfish to myself that I'm trying to change it. Mm -hmm. I feel emotions so strongly that if I feel a negative emotion, I have to deflect it or walk away. Mm-hmm. And is it selfish for me to try to deflect it from someone else? Or is it me trying to help them? Exactly. That's what I've struggled with my whole life. And this is and this is the kind of thing that I think brings you into this place where you're able to now... Place. Ha, ha, ha. No, you have there a gift. Is. You have a gift. You have a gift that you bring the world. And you brought it to me. And I'm not just being cheesy because I'm your wife. But when I first met you, I didn't know how to handle you. You know, but my gift feels like an autistic kid that doesn't like hugs. My my psyche, my voice in my head mm -hmm. is a combination of Lewis Black. <laughs> Lewis Black. Oh, you have to put Lewis Black, Tim Mission, and and um and um Lucy C. Kane. Oh, and I'm good. I'm good. And the other one is um is um David Cross. And that is what my oh. inner monologue is. I can tell now. Now that I've been married to you for a while, I get it. And that's, okay. I've that's only been my inner to you monologue. For a few months, but I've been dating you for a while. Oh, yes, no, no, no. You had me tell. at hello. Uh, I loved you the minute I met you. Oh, the minute I saw you. Oh, that's so sweet. Oh, don't pull that fake shit. <laughs> um, I love you. <laughs> I loved you the minute I saw you. I'm a very good judge of character. That. Being a joker means you are a good judge of character. So what I want to do yes. to end this, all right. um, I want to, um, <laughs> you're going to kill me, Uh oh. but this is how I want to end this. Okay. Um, and let me find it real quick. No illusions about you. Guess not. I never did. <laughs> I said, I said I'd love it. I meant, I meant as is, as is, as is. This is Cupcake Forty Eight signing out. My memoirs will be available in Scholastic. Uh, books under um catastrophe sprinkles and frosting everywhere good night <laughs> thanks for being a part of the playgrounding podcast if you're enjoying these episodes please help me help others find us by subscribing on itunes and leaving a review i'm new so i don't have any reviews yet so will you please be my first You'll find a link directly to Playgrounding on iTunes by visiting playgrounding.com if, you know, you feel so inclined. Thank you. And don't forget to join me next week. I have an exciting interview with an actress and writer named Heather Dowling. She's been impersonating someone who wanted a real job since the age of 14. 
Hear about the journey that inspired her one-woman show, Unemployed, finally. It's the story of a woman who tried 30 jobs in 30 years before finally doing what everyone said she couldn't. Don't miss it. Bye-bye.